It's the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Friday, September 8th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that loves like a frost and hurricane combination. Uh, let's just move on. All right. We're going to talk about the Morgan Frost contract, the new additions to the Flyers hockey ops staff, plus a crossover with Jared Ellis from Lockdown Carolina Hurricanes, all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on the app formerly known as Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on all your favorite social media apps at Sportsology. We as a show are on Instagram and threads and Blue Sky at Locked On Flyers as well. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube or on the Sirius XM app, anywhere you listen to podcasts, subscribe to get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, uh, it was fortuitous. We talked about Morgan Frost on our last episode, uh, really trying to dig into what that contract could look like. Looks a lot different than what we talked about. Uh, a two-year deal with a $2.1 million average annual value here. And I think that, you know, while it's more than double what he was making before, which is a good thing, um, I think he really, you know, took a big gamble on himself. And the Flyers also took a gamble in terms of what they would potentially have to pay him in a future contract. Well, based on what Morgan's skill set is and the fact that he had 46 points and everything else, regardless of his usage, whether he's a one or a two or a three, um, the skill set's there, right? So when you bet on that kind of skill set in the league and you do the short term like the Flyers did, you're mostly going to lose because salaries keep going up and talent is talent. And so now there's going to be a, a a point, a ceiling point for, for Frost talent, and maybe it's 65 points, maybe it's 60. You know, maybe it's something like that. But um, – if you're a number two center in this league, which he's probably going to be, whether it's with the Flyers or somewhere else, because they're walking him pretty close to free agency now. Um, yeah, by the time they go to sign him again, you, know, you could be talking about six, six and a half million bucks. Because if he has two good years, uh, yes, that qualifying offer is cheap at 2.4. And yes, this is all looking good short term for the Flyers money wise. But in my estimation, he shouldn't be making less than. Um, than Noah Cates. That's no slight on Cates. It's just, to me, I just don't see it. And so when you have that, you kind of wonder what's going on here. So is it an issue that the, you know, the, the agent was just hard to deal with? Maybe. Was it an issue that um, John Tortorella likes Noah Cates a little bit more money-wise? Maybe they asked him his opinion? Maybe. Um, but at the end of the day, the GM still makes the decision on this. And so, you know, Danny Briere is taking a big gamble here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, obviously 
with the rebuild, it's going to be hard to say right now what the Flyers are going to look like two years from now when this contract is up. Um, you know, maybe even a year from now, they're looking at an extension uh, for him based on how he plays. But I think that it's it's going to be a real like pivotal moment in two years with a bunch of contracts and and what the team is going to look like and where they are in the rebuild. And I would hate to see a guy like Morgan Frost fall through the cracks in all of this. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if he has two good years, let's say he's got like 50 points this year, 50 or 60 the year after, uh, and it comes up to contract time, he's going to want a lot of money. And if they yep. just decide that they'll let him walk that year with his qualifying or they're going to try and trade him, they're going to lose out on that deal. And, yep. and that's why I was suggesting – you know, you get them under four or a little over four now for longer term to buy up some of those years because you feel like there's that future talent there. You've seen flashes of it now, enough of it. I, th- I thought there was enough of it last year to to show some real consistency. But, I, you know, maybe the organization doesn't feel that way or maybe it was just too hard of a negotiation to get done. Either way, it's, it's a gamble that I don't think is going to work out for the Flyers based on the way – structure and pay keeps going up in this league and the cap goes up and they're going to have a lot of cap money. So they're not going to be able to say, well, listen, you know, we have cap constraints. They're not going to have any cap constraints in two years. We'll see. It's certainly a little bit of a head scratcher there. Uh, in, in the meantime, there also have been some updates to the hockey ops staff of the flyers. Um, it was pointed out a, a little while ago by Charlie O'Connor about Danny Heatley joining the pro scouting group with the team. Um, And there were some interesting names added to the website. I think the most interesting of which is Bob Murray, who was added as a senior advisor. Um, You know, he resigned from the Ducks in 2021 because of abusive behavior toward players and staff. And, you know, he was a flame scout, I think, last year for a little bit. But to me, it's it's a little bit of a red flag, I got to say. I'll say I was surprised, and I'm going to leave it at that, and we'll see what happens with it. But would it be my first choice? No, it wouldn't. Given that there's a large group there, I think, you know, it's not like he's the new GM, right? No. So, so he's just part of a team, and you, you don't really know what level his opinion raises up to here. But... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this group does overall. There's just a lot of familiarity between them, we'll say. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, Danny Heatley certainly was a really terrific player. I don't know yeah. anything about his scouting ability or what he's been doing. So we'll see. Yep, absolutely. Um, just a little kind of footnote to those staffing changes. We saw a couple of weeks ago, I believe that Catherine Yates, who was on the analytics team for the Flyers, uh, hired by Chuck Fletcher. She's now with the New York Rangers. So having somebody leave your analytics department um, after only a year and joining a division rival is um, a little upsetting, I got to say. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one where you kind of wonder, like, like if if, if if that person leaves or you, you know, don't re-sign that person and, and they're sitting out there, then you kind of think, all right, I could see they probably made the right decision because we're not inside the analytics department. We don't right. know, you know, oh, of course. When, when that person gets scooped up right away by your competitor, it does make you wonder. doesn't mean they didn't make the right decision, but it does make you wonder. Yep. 
Yep. Just, you know, just putting that out there in the ether. All right. Uh, before we get to our crossover with Locked On Carolina Hurricanes, your poll results for a potential uh, professional tryout contract. Uh, we put out some potential names, uh, Phil Kessel, Artem Anisimov, Ethan Bear, Jesse Pugliarvi, and Wayne Simmons. And the, the results were pretty mixed here. I, you know, we got 25% for Simmons and Ethan Bear and 23% for Phil Kessel. Um, so there seems there seemed to be some division in terms of who y'all out there might be interested in having as a PTO. Yeah, but I feel pretty justified by like my my top two were were Bear and, and Kessel. They were pretty well represented. So I think there's a big enough part of the fan base that they feel like, yeah, you know, these guys would be good to have them in there. Yeah, I think so too. There were several people who commented nobody. So okay. I think like if we had none as a category, I'm guessing it would have gotten at least 15%. Yeah. When, when all was said and done, they just really don't want anybody blocking our prospects. But it's not necessarily thing. a block. Like that's the thing I think we, we need to explain a little further. It's not necessarily a block. It's just a situation where you're inviting that person in you see how they fit in. Sometimes you're just helping that person springboard to another organization. That is also true. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if they end up signing anybody to a PTO for camp, which is coming up real quick. In the meantime, we are going to talk with Jared Ellis of Locked On Carolina Hurricanes coming up next. Football season's about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get a bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Maybe bet on the Jets. Maybe bet on the Eagles. That's where we sit on this on this panel. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Take some time to visit FanDuel and include money lines, props, etc. around your team. All right. And here we are, as stated, with Jared Ellis of Locked On Hurricanes. Welcome, Jared. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Always a good time catching up with our Metro Division pals, see what they've been up to this offseason. So I want to start off with on the Canes side, what was the general feeling at the end of the season amongst the fan base in terms of, you know, another season that was successful, but not quite there yet? Um, and like, what are sort of the biggest needs that you had going into the offseason? So I would say the general kind of feeling was a bit of disappointment. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you got swept in the conference final again. It's never good. It's never a good feeling to uh, have to deal with. Um, but they did make it back to the conference final, which was for me, like, that's where they need to get this season. Like that was kind of like the lowest, like you need to get over that second round hump that they're struggling to get past. And they got past that. And I think it was definitely a step in the right direction. You know, a lot of the, with that conference final, you can kind of you know, look at injuries and whatnot that they're dealing with and kind of chalk some of that stuff up there. Heading into the offseason, though, there was a lot they needed to do, honestly. Obviously, they had to lock up both uh, their goaltending situation because uh, both Freddie Anderson and Antiranta were uh, UFAs. They brought them both back. Um, and then kind of rebuilding 
their bottom uh, pair defensively and adding scoring uh, on the offense side of things. That was kind of the big things that they needed to do this off season uh, because we saw in the playoffs at conference final, especially how the offense just dried up and looked like a bad Thanksgiving Turkey. Like it was, it was rough. And yeah, I think you know, a lot of folks were expecting them to like really like go out and you know well heck you had there was Vladimir Tarasenko uh you know thinking like you're gonna go uh make some really big splashes and they did uh just not necessarily on the offensive side of things like I think a lot of folks were uh expecting they're really you know obviously they did bring in some guys you know like Michael Bunting uh but they're really like leaving the keys, you know, to their guys. You know, they're not going to bring in, you know, Connor McDavid or something like that. You know, they're not, obviously that would never happen, but <laughs> you know, yeah, they're very much, you know, like, Hey, you know, it's Sebastian Ajo's ship. It's Andre Sveshnikov. It's, it's their show. And they're very much like, Hey, yeah, we'll give some pieces to help you guys. But yeah, at the end of the day, you know, they need to continue to elevate their game uh for those deep playoff runs and we've seen flashes uh and i definitely think it can happen these guys are still super super young uh and heck you andre is college age so you know uh yeah these guys they can definitely get it done and i'm very excited to see how this season goes because their blue line right now is absolutely yeah there's something that troubles me about the hurricanes and i know the odds are great for them right now in Vegas to, to, to get to the cup, but they literally just brought back the same goaltending and I don't understand it. I think it comes from Tom Dundon not wanting to spend too much on one goalie. So he goes for the value and he brings back the two where you might have a goalie of the future and Kochekov just kind of sitting around now. And that kind of bugs me because mm -hmm. I do think there's some uh, trouble with Rob Brindamore trusting a young goalie also, even though, it was a young goalie that got him his Stanley Cup in Cam Ward. And I think there's a weird dynamic mm -hmm. there. And it looks like they don't want to spend the money on anybody better than like Anderson or Ranta. And they don't really want to give the keys to Kochekov either. And I think it's a combination of Brindamore and ownership with that. And I, I just don't feel comfortable with that, saying that that's going to get him to the cup. Now, Kochekov's there, and he certainly could come up and, and – and show some things at some point, but he never gets a long enough run to do that. So I have no faith that this is going to be the year for that either. Yeah, it was really weird with the goalie situation because a lot of folks, myself included, we were expecting you know, Auntie Ronta to be the one that leaves. You know, they bring back Freddie Anderson and then you roll with Anderson and Kochekov. Um, yeah, that's what a lot of folks were expecting. So it was pretty surprising when they also brought back Auntie Ranta. I think, you know, my best reasoning for that is simply, you know, because of injuries, because we know how Freddie can be a bit injury prone, how Ranta can be a bit injury prone. And they're essentially you know, just kind of getting themselves ready for, you know, the inevitability of one of these guys going down with injury and, you know, still having, you know, decent, uh, uh, good backup plans, you know, like, all right, Freddie goes out. All right. Then you can roll with Ronta and Kochekov or, you know, Ronta goes down. You can roll with Anderson and Kochekov. 
I, I think that's the reasoning behind it. Um, I do think next year is definitely when we'll see the Anderson Kochekov tandem. I don't because Ronta just signed a one year deal. Uh, I don't see them really going past that again, uh, unless, you know, Kochekov just, you know, falls off a cliff, then, you know, okay, then maybe, you know, they go with it. Maybe they're just giving him a little bit more time to get used to the North American game. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. Uh, you know, he's looked really, really good for the most part. So it's, it'd be interesting to be oh, a fly yeah. on the wall in those offices uh, yeah. with those decisions being made. Yeah, I do think that goaltending situation is one of the more fascinating storylines in Carolina. Uh, one of the other big ones, obviously, was the Sebastian Ajo contract situation. And were they going to go into the season without the extension? Turns out they made the deal. Uh, and I'm just wondering how you feel about it. Was it the right term? You know, the eight deal, 9.75, yeah. like how's everybody feeling about that? Yeah, everyone's feeling good about that one. There was really no doubt that it wouldn't get done. Uh, I we kind of felt that it was they were focusing on like other stuff first because he obviously still does have right. time. He wasn't a pending UFA or anything like that. They're getting some of that other stuff situated first, getting that taken care of, and then moving over to him. There was really never any doubt that he was going to be gone or anything like that like that would an extension wouldn't get done like he's pretty much you know, they could hand him a blank check and you know uh be ready to go uh and you know with it is it was one where there's like there's not a whole lot of rush to get it done either i mean yes there is obviously you know because obviously you know, if you were to do it mid-season or whatever you know he could be having you know, a crazy good season that drives the cost up a bit more uh but Never really any doubt that it wouldn't get done. Uh, it was just their contract negotiations can be a pain in the butt sometimes. And they were just trying to get everything hammered out the right way. Everyone's happy with it. Uh, it's crazy to think about, you know, the fact that, you know, we're able to lock up these caliber players long term coming from, you know, the hurricanes of how they were for a decade of not being very good. So, being able to do stuff like that is very, very nice. And yeah, everyone's happy with the Sebastian Ajo extension. You, you mentioned the offense and Ajo and Svechnikov. And my issue is I don't mind saying that, you know, those are their guys. I agree. I mean, you know, I was around Dundon when he picked Svechnikov and I, you know, he was thrilled and that was a guy and loaded with talent. Ajo loaded with talent too. But the problem is, is that, They've sort of surrounded those guys with younger talent that they're hoping to, uh, you know, to reach the next level. And those guys need some players to make them better. As an example, like Bunting mm -hmm. is really an unproven to me in the sense that he played with Mar Matthews and Marner. Yeah. I don't know if he's producing that same magic without Matthews and Marner. Mm -hmm. Now, if he's a, you know, unlocks something else in Ajo, that's great. Mm -hmm. Do I think there's a better than 50% chance of that happening? I don't. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think they sort of failed in the offseason is to try and get somebody to be a fire starter to either make yeah. Ajo better or make Svechnikov better because somebody needs to help him. I like Seth Jarvis. I like the other guys. Kokaniemi's okay, mm -hmm. but there's they're missing that. 
Yeah, I, I agree there. Uh, I think a lot of folks are in that same boat where it just feels like there's that one missing offensive piece yeah. to get things going. And maybe they'll make another deal soon. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see again. As I mentioned earlier, the you know, blue line is absolutely loaded right now. There's been a lot of talk of whether or not there will be another trade. I think it may end up being one. So maybe they end up bringing someone in that way. You also got the trade deadline also. But yeah, I definitely feel that that one offensive powerhouse is what's missing. Maybe someone they can get through the regular. Here. They can get through the regular season with it. Sorry, Jared. You know, like the regular season is not the issue here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's playoffs. It's just they're going to have to add that at the deadline. Yeah, yeah, they will, and it it's going to be interesting to see what they do because I feel like we've been saying that for the past few seasons, and it really hasn't happened. Like moves have been made, but it's never been like the one like, all right, yeah, this is this is the move. Uh, they haven't really gotten to that point yet. So it's going to be interesting to see how things go. Uh, if they make any moves, you know, whether it be in the remainder of the off season, uh, in the first half of the season before the deadline, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. And then also is someone else going to on the roster going to emerge to be that guy? You never know what can happen this season. Yeah, I mean, that just has a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll be him, but he's not there yet. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, I know, like, Tarasenko, you know, talking about, you know, someone to bring in. A lot of folks were thinking that was going to happen. It was looking like it was going to happen. And then, of course, you know, he fired his agent, everything reset, and now he's in Ottawa. We'll have more with Jared from Locked On Carolina Hurricanes coming up next. So the, the big ad, I guess you could say, was Michael Bunting. Mm -hmm. uh, then, um, where does... Uh, oh, I've seen a lot of projections of him being on the first pairing. Or, or excuse me, not first pairing. Uh, second line, I was thinking of Dmitry Orlov. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, second line seems to be uh, where he's slotting in, uh, in like some predictions or whatever that folks are putting putting around kind of like middle six is where folks are having him. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I was going to ask, you know, where does he fit in? So mm -hmm. that's uh, kind of exactly what I was looking for mm -hmm. there. Um, yeah. Bunting, like, I think it's interesting because I, I feel like whatever is happening in Toronto, Bunting seems to not have absorbed that mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And so I feel like him getting out of there and having a fresh start in Carolina with that group is probably a good move for him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens uh, with him. A lot of folks are excited to see what he's going to be capable of here, down here uh, with the talent on the team, with the coaching staff. It's going to be really fun to see what he has to offer for the team. Let's talk about Tony D'Angelo. And even though he's not going to play a big role with the team, you know, everybody's expecting like, hey, they got him at their price. He'll roll in there and he'll just, you know, he'll listen to Brendan Moore and everything will be fine. But he's not the same player. No. Like I can tell you for sure his shot is is not on the money as much as it used to be. Uh, we know about his lack of defense for sure. And, again, he still has the, uh, the anger issues. Mm -hmm. Like you see it every once in a while. It's not every game, but there are times. And I just kind of wonder, is that really worth it to them to get him on the third pairing because he can move the puck and he skates really well. Like, I just feel like 
this time they're forcing them in there because they got them at their price and they're certain that they're going to get the same guy. I'm not certain they're getting the same guy. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I'm not certain they're getting the same guy. Heck, I'm honestly not even sure if he's going to be like on the third pairing. Like as we stand okay. right now, like you have your first pairing is obviously going to be Jacob Slavin, Brent Burns. Your second pairing is probably going to be uh, Brett Pesci and Dmitry Orlov. Your th and then your third pairing right now is probably going to be Brady Shea and Jalen Chatfield. So, and then you also have Dylan Coglin. And then there was one other defenseman. I'm blanking on his name, but you got three extra guys right now. So, and all of them have been playing better than D'Angelo. So it's not even a guarantee that he'll be in that opening night lineup, given, like I said, there is such a log jam there. Maybe another trade gets made. I know a lot of folks have been speculating on Brady Shea and Brett Pesci between those guys getting moved. Uh, but yeah, there's honestly no guarantee that he'd even be in there. But yeah, it does definitely feel like you know, it was a move for the sake of making a move. Uh, not one that necessarily needed to be made. Uh, like, okay, yeah, cool. You got him at your price. Great. Now where are you going to put him in your lineup? Right. Okay. Right. Like, right. There's no room for him. You don't I mean, yeah, I know they're working, you know, with, uh, you know, getting an AHL situation, uh, centered, uh, and taken care of. But like, are you going to send him right, down so let's, there? Let's are you going to put him on waivers and send him down there? Like, Let, let's expand on that. Because right now they don't have that. Yeah. And that does hurt your team as far as being able to jockey uh, players back and forth. So what do you mean they're working on it? Like most teams, it's settled long before now yeah. uh, with the season right around the corner. So what could they be working on? Uh, literally all we know is Don Waddell has told us that you know, they are talking with other teams about sharing an affiliate. <laughs> uh, given, you know, we'll see. Wow. We'll see what happens. He said yeah, next year it's going to be uh, – situated and they'll be good to go but yeah it definitely feels like yeah at this point it's like all right why haven't we gotten something done you know whether it be sharing or or whatever like nothing's been done and actually now they don't even have an echl affiliate because uh norfolk uh signed their stuff with uh winnipeg so they don't even have that now so it's i thought they were close the other day i thought there was an article that said they were close to getting their ECHL, so that's fallen through too. Oh, I hadn't even seen that one. Uh, so okay, yeah, yeah it, their affiliate situation has definitely taken a nosedive uh, this off season. I'd love to know what uh, you know went into all of this as to why yeah they've had such turnover when it comes to. Yeah, like where are they going to send guys? Like what are they going to do? That's something we have been talking about here. Obviously, you know the European guys, you know they can go play over there right. that's fine whatever but you're not but getting yeah. them back you can't yeah. you, you can't get them back this season exactly. until their season ends once you do yeah, that exactly and uh, our best guess right now because there's not a whole lot of information out there on it everything's pretty tight-lipped there it's kind of you know they'll kind of send you know, this guy here that guy there unless you know they do get a shared agreement kind of like how they had with Chicago and Nashville that one year when Nashville didn't have one. I mm. I have a feeling that's probably going to be what happens, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of information going on about all that stuff. 
I mean, it's crazy. I could understand maybe not having one, even though that's to me, it's horrible. But to not have two locked up this time of the year just seems incredible. Yeah, it, it's a pretty bold move. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that's going to be a huge issue if they cannot get it resolved uh, really soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like like Russ said, you need that flexibility. Um, you know, the Canes also sent signed Brendan Lemieux, who was with the Flyers at the end yeah. of this past season, also affecting that because like, let's be real. I don't know where there's room for Brendan Lemieux in the mm-hmm. Canes lineup either uh, going into this. Yep. But um, I think, you know, other than you know the current situation, I, I want to talk a little bit about the draft class. Mm-hmm. Um, We had talked about Jaden Perron on our show Mm -hmm. as a prospect and really liked him. But other than that, like there weren't any like big names, obviously, here. Mm -hmm. So like how how are you feeling about their these their latest draft class? I'm feeling pretty good about it. They got some good guys there Uh, when they had the uh, prospect um, camp. Yeah, I went to a day of that and was able to watch some guys. Uh, Bradley Nadeau, yeah, their first round pick. He was, re- I was impressed with him giving you know, it's just a prospect camp. Yeah, you know, it's nothing crazy or anything like that. But he looked really darn good in that. Had some real nice speed to him, had a nice shot. Uh, God, there was one goalie uh, they had. I'm blanking on his name right now, but he was one like he really impressed. Uh, and I want to say it was the goalie from. Uh, Quinnipiac, I think is how you pronounce that college. Yeah, yeah. I want to say it was that yeah. goalie. Um, he looked. Really oh, Legault. Yeah, Legault. Okay. Yeah, uh, he looked good, and to he's a pretty they, good goalie. They have some yeah. guys there that definitely look like they have some potential. I know with Nadeau, he's obviously committed to Maine. I believe it was. I believe that was where he was committed to. Uh, so obviously uh, he'll get a couple years there to continue to develop, you know, coming out of juniors into college. Yeah. So that's going to be good for him, but he has a lot of potential. I'm excited to see how things go for him. Obviously by the time, you know, his time in college is up, you know, they'll have their affiliate stuff situated and then, you know, he can move to there and then continue to develop and hopefully, you know, make his way on up into the hurricane. Cluster. Yeah. He'll be watching out what Kochekov does. Cause you know, mm-hmm. that's a key thing to try and get a, you know, him to, to go there is to be like, well, what about that guy? Um, mm-hmm. The Nadeau is a good player. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that pick. I think it's good. I love Perron. So I think Perron was good. I think Rykov could actually be a, a potential skill for them if he continues to develop. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talent there. But Felix Ungersorum, not because of that, I'm a big odd couple fan. It's not because of that. He really can play. Mm-hmm. And so that's another really good pick, too. So I had brought his name up early in the season because of his name, Felix Unger, in the odd couple series. But, um, no, he's a good player, too. And so I do feel like with all the picks they have, they might get three or four. Mm-hmm. If you get three or four out of that, you're doing really well. Yeah. If they get three, I'd still think they're doing pretty well in this. In this yeah. Game. And then lastly, where do you see the Canes ending up in this upcoming season? You know, it feels like it's a Canes-Devils horse race here in the mm. division, but how are you looking at it? Yeah, that's definitely how I'm looking at it as well. It's definitely going to be between the Canes and the Devils. I think it's going to be one where it's going to come down to the last couple games of the season, if not the final game of the season. 
I could definitely see that it's going to be between those teams for sure. I could definitely see Pittsburgh being in the mix as well. I don't see them winning the division, uh, but I definitely see them, you know, being up towards the top of the division, you know, kind of in that number two or number three spot. Um, that's definitely where I see you know, that ending up kind of after that gets a little interchangeable, really. Uh, Rangers will be interesting to see what they do uh, this year. Obviously, new head coach uh, is going to be fun then you know, to see how they can uh, improve upon their speed uh, in the playoffs uh, if they go back to the playoffs because that was a big thing for them. In my opinion, it mm-hmm. just looked like they're getting outskated. So if they can improve on that or find a way to neutralize that on other teams like New Jersey, like Carolina, uh, that's going to be interesting to see how they go. Washington, I continue to see them fading uh, into the background. You know, their kind of time at the top has come to an end and, you know, father time waits for no one and he's not waiting for the Washington Capitals. Uh, Pittsburgh's continuing to fight them off though. Uh, so, you know, Columbus, I think they'll, they'll improve a bit, but they're not, they're not there yet. Uh, the Islanders, just a team that really did a whole lot of nothing. Uh, their goaltending is really going to carry them. And with Philly, I'm sorry. I don't see Philly doing much of anything this year. Nobody does. That's Nobody fine. does. We're cool though. It's year one of the rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. With Philly, I definitely see you guys bringing up the rear uh, of the division. But yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a Canes and Devils race this year at the top for sure. Uh, Jared, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you and your show? Yeah, you can find me on social media at Jared Ellis underscore 96. And you can find the show at Locked on Hurricanes. You can find it over on YouTube at Locked on Hurricanes. We're closing in on 700 subscribers over there. So make sure you hit that subscribe button over there to get all of your Hurricanes news and anything else you could want about them. All right. Once again, thanks to Jared from Locked On Carolina Hurricanes. That was real interesting. There's a lot of pressure on the Canes this year. You got Yeah, I mean, there's not much wiggle room. There's a, you know, we had a lot of conversation. I guess, you know, we don't know what the fans are thinking. That's why it's good to have Jared here. And a lot of that conversation was justified as far as what the fans were thinking. Yep, absolutely. All right. That'll do it for today's show and for the week. We will be back next week. We'll have our nemesis of the week on Monday and our last poll topic of the summer. So stay tuned for that on Monday. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on the app formerly known as Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay cool.